Welcome to the Wheels Up Podcast, the resource to help business, executive, and VIP travelers stay safe on the ground and in the air. Join Executive Protection and Travel Security Specialist Troy Clayton as he shares tips on how to give yourself or those in your care a safe journey, no matter where your travels take you. Now, welcome back to the Wheels Up Podcast. Hey, Troy, how are things going? Hey, Brett, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm well. How, how are you going, mate? I'm terrific. So, Troy, what part of the world are you in at the moment? Are you out on the road or are you back home? No, um, thankfully I'm back home. I'm back here on the Gold Coast, the beautiful Gold Coast. Um, it's a tough place to live. But, uh, yeah, look, we've, we've sort of uh, recently returned from a, a trip uh, um, just travelling up through, uh, where were we? We're all over the place, actually, Hong Kong, London, Hong Kong, London, and, um, and then USA. So it was, uh, it was quite, a, quite a trek. Okay, good. And you're all caught up on your sleep and what have you? Yeah, the, the sleep pattern's a little bit all over the place, but um, not too bad. Nothing I can't handle, that's for sure. Okay, good. All right. So, so what I thought we'd do today, Troy, is do a bit more boots on the ground stuff. Today, we, in the previous episode, we were fairly generic, talking about travel safety and security. So let's go boots on the ground and let's talk specifically about some of the locations that you uh, are, are very familiar with and, and where you specialise in providing executive protection. And today, let, let's go to China. Does that work for you? Yeah, perfect. Perfect. We'll start um, with, um, we can definitely start with China. Okay. Um, so what, what can you tell us about China? So pretty much what we're going to talk about today is, um, look, I'll start with saying that we can find most of this stuff sort of open source. Um, if you know where to look and you troll the internet, the internet um, you're going to find a lot of this information anyway. Um, there's no real state secrets about what we're going to sort of discuss and, and realistically the information we're going to provide you with is, is more about, um, it's more about enabling our listeners to, to make a, a better better educated decision when travelling um, to certain areas. And, and I know we're going to go on and talk about um, Southeast Asia in, uh, in later podcasts, but obviously China in this one. So, you know, some of our listeners, they may not have travelled to some of these countries before or even through Asia. So hopefully this gives them a little bit of insight into what, um, you know, what to be aware of. So, um, you know, obviously working in Southeast Asia and, and operating up through Asia Pacific, it, it's it's uh, it's our backyard, and we have an intimate insight into its working. So, um, so we know pretty much what's going on up through there. Right. Yeah. So you're you're obviously you've got experience with sort of VIP travellers, for want of a better word. But but we're going to cover material that's of interest for corporate listeners as well. Yeah. Yeah. So for listeners who are working in the corporate space, uh, you know, and have access to to corporate security security managers or uh, security advisors, then certainly we would encourage them to go and have a chat to those guys or, or, or ladies that are in those positions. Um, and they should be realistically the first port of call. Um, I mean, you know, realistically, they, they should have a, a travel policy or procedure in place um, that they should be able to go to before heading overseas. Um, and, and part of what we do for some of our clients is provide their staff with pre-deployment advice. So, um, there's no doubt there's many other companies out there that do uh, similar sort of things that we do in, in that space um, and definitely the security manager should be able to um, provide them with that sort of advice as well. Okay. All right. So we're talking about China here. Um, obviously, you've been there a few times. Yeah. So I've been, uh, I've been fortunate enough to travel to China a couple of times now and, you know, like many countries, there's, there's obviously some beautiful places and, uh, and then there's obviously places that are best to avoid. Um, you know, I've been fortunate enough to see a fair bit of it. Um, the obvious ones that, that stand out are, you know, obviously Beijing and, uh, Beijing and Shanghai. But 
I've been to a few of the others that are a little less known, um, places called, called um, Chengdu and, and, and Chongqing, uh, which are both uh, mid-China and both quite beautiful cities, actually. Um, and then across east to a um, place called uh, Wuhan and um, Nanjing. And there's a few others that I actually can't think of off the top of my head, to be honest. So, um, you know, overall, the, the, the Chinese people as a whole, they're actually, um, they're very friendly, uh, although it does take some time to earn their trust. <clears throat> and, and, you know, uh, this is what the, uh, the difficulty is for, for outsiders coming into China. Um, as I said, they are friendly. However, the Chinese are rather suspicious of outsiders coming into China. Um, this is this is changing, um, you know, due to the increase in tourism over the past few years. Um, you know, I was, I was reading somewhere uh, in not that long ago that that um, I believe China is the third or fourth most visited country in the world, with around um, I think it was like fifty or sixty million visit. Um, I think they were like fifty or sixty million overnight visitors in the year. Um, I'd have to double check, but look, either way, it it shows that there's a lot of travellers heading to China these days and, and um, you know, a lot of them are travelling there for business. Yeah, and, and I guess they're, they're well on, to way, on their way to being the biggest economy in the world, so it's inevitable that everyone's got to, got to be interacting with them at some level. Sure, yeah. So, so if, I'm go, if I'm heading to China, what do I need to know before I, you know, pack my bags and, and jump on the plane and get over there? Yeah, so obviously we've covered off on um, previous podcasts about, um, you know, what you need to do before you travel. Um, but specific to China, um, you know, obviously you need a visa. So the first thing you need to do is sort out your visa. Now, the, the, the Chinese government is pretty strict on these visas. Now, it's not an onerous task. It's, uh, it's a case of getting your photo done, filling in the forms and, and sorting it out. Everyone needs one, obviously. Now, if you are a corporate traveller, um, you know, you, you may need one urgently, and and you can uh, you can apply for this, and you you can have it done within two days. So um, there is that that uh, scope to be able to get your visa done fairly quickly. Uh, in fact, we when we were over there um, not that long ago, we we had need to bring one of our guys over in a in a fairly um, uh, quick turnaround, and um, they were really good. They they managed to do it and um, have it done in two days. But obviously, you're going to pay a premium for this. So if you are a corporate traveller and you do need to get over there pretty quickly, just know that it can be done. But it's it's a two day turnaround. Um, it's also um, it's also worth noting while we're talking about visas that uh, if this is your first trip to China, um, you're only going to be issued a single or a double entry visa. Um, it, it won't be until after you've been into the country that they'll allow you to apply for a multi entry visa. So, um, and um, I guess while we're talking about entering into the country, it's worth pointing out that um, on arrival into Beijing or Shanghai, just be mindful that the airports themselves, um, you know, if you've got to transit between the two, they've got two airports in each of those cities uh, and they're not necessarily located near each other. So if you do have to transit from one to the other, just make sure you give yourself a fair bit of time. Good to know. Good to know. Thanks, Troy. Um, now, what about general safety and security? Now, it may be an outdated perception uh, as to whether the country is safe or not. Um, you know, we hear media reports that might suggest it's unsafe. Is that still the case? What, what's your perception? What, you, you've been there um, more than most of us. What, what's your perception of that? Um, yeah, that's a good question. So as a whole uh, and, and as a generalisation, China is actually a pretty safe country. Um, However, it's, it's difficult to totally understand exactly what activity is occurring there due to the censorship of a lot of the, um, the criminal activity that does occur. So China is really good at, at keeping things quiet. 
Um, and that's you know part due to the fact that they, they wish to control or, or the control they wish to maintain over their, their citizens. So you know the last time we were there talking to some of our local drivers, um, you know they, they were telling us look crime is pretty rare, uh, China's very safe. And, and look on on the on the surface it, it appeared that way, but you sort of got a sense that it was a rehearsed line, um, like they sort of had to say it. Um, you know the last time we were there there was an incident that occurred in a, in a part of Beijing that we were a little little f- further away from but um, you know there was no news story um, there was no media reports no social media talking about the incident at all you know and it, and it was it was a relatively significant incident you know there was a stabbing involving several people in a, in, in a public area um, but you know these, these things just aren't reported uh, and the only reason we found out about it was you know via word of mouth from our one of our local team members and um, obviously we we avoided the area so so crime does exist, um, including you know violent crimes. However, as they as they aren't really reported, it's difficult to get a, a full understanding of the exact numbers. Right. Okay. Yeah, and so, what about general sort of everyday type things? Is there anything else that stood out, or any any kind of scams that we should watch out for? Yeah, like I said, it's it's a pretty safe country. Um, you know, there's a couple of things that sort of stood out to me just walking around and when you, when you go there uh, or when you travel through there, you'll, you'll notice there's a distinct lack of graffiti. And, and I know that's a really odd thing to sort of um, pick out, but uh, and that's not really necessarily a, not necessarily a bad thing. Um, but it was just one of those things I noticed. And it, and it sort of gives you an indication of how tight a grip the officials have over the, over the country. Um, one other thing that you'll notice when you are walking around um, especially in some of the built-up areas, is that there is a significant amount of CCTV cameras, um, like a massive amount. Um, both Beijing and, and Chongqing have a significant amount of visible cameras and, and likely even more that we don't actually see. So, I mean, they even had little mobile caravans uh, with cameras pretty much all around them. Um, and it obviously gives them the ability to cover more ground. So, um, so yeah, I mean... It, I mean, speaking of the, the whole CCTV thing, so, so a bit of a background on that is that um, back in 2005, China launched a, a program called um, Skynet. Um, that sounds so, like something out of the Terminator. Yeah, so, yeah, just like Cyberdyne from Terminator, I guess. But, um, you know, obviously not a great, great name, but um, basically the premise behind Skynet is that, it, that it's real-time monitoring or surveillance on criminal activities. Uh, and it allows the special, um, the, the the Chinese special uh, surveillance police, which you know there's actually a significant amount of them, uh, to, to monitor the activity that that occurs. Um, the Chinese officials will argue that it's reduced crime, which you know to be fair, it probably has. Um, but it's it's obviously difficult to obtain the actual information on that. Um, however, the reality is that Skynet um, it, it's got the ability to. It's got the ability to monitor um, anyone who visits China, or anyone and everyone, really. Um, um, you know, the, the system is quite advanced. It's got facial recognition uh, and GPS monitoring, so it, it has the ability to follow people where they go, um, uh, or, or at least track them, I should say. So, um, you know, obviously for the Chinese nationals, they're, they're immediately recognised. Uh, um, you know, uh, at the age of 16, 17, um, Chinese nationals apply for a, a, an ID card, and they they basically go into a database, but you know, for for, for foreigners travelling, we get picked up due to the um, the strict visa applications that we go through when we enter into China. So, you know, you just need to understand that from the moment you enter into China, you you're being monitored. So that's the takeaway from that. Right, I've heard of that. So, is is there any way to avoid that, and is there any need to avoid that? 
Oh, look, I guess there's, there's, no, there's not necessarily a need to, to, to avoid it. I mean, if you're just going there on a holiday, then, you know, so be it. If you're going as a tourist, there's, there's no, real, no, no real issues. But I guess if you're going over there for business, um, then it's, it's probably something that you may want to um, uh, try and mitigate in, in some way. Um, you know, if you're travelling with your laptop or, um, or, or your phone and you've got sensitive information on it, um, then there is potential for that to, to actually be... Um, um, hacked into. So, I mean, a tip that might be worthwhile adhering to is turning off your phone as you're entering the airport. Um, you know, obviously, everyone going in and out of airports, it's, it's an easy location to, to grab data and, and other person, personal and um, business-related information on your phones. But, I mean, we spoke pre- previously about having a burner phone or a sanitised phone, so that, that may be an option for you guys to carry. Um, you know, the last thing you want is for, for confidential information to be sort of leaked or hacked. Right, okay. So any other general tips to consider if you're travelling in China? Um, yep, there's a couple. So there's a few. Uh, so, so over in um, China, counterfeit is obviously um, of huge concern. You know, we get a lot of knockoffs that come, come from that way, but um, we're talking about counter, counterfeit currency is obviously also a concern over there uh, and even, even a concern of the, uh, the Chinese themselves. So you'll find that when you go over there, they're always holding up the, the, the notes to the, the sunlight to check the watermark. So one thing you can look for is, um, you know, the watermark of uh, Chairman Mao, uh, and it's on the side of the note or the or the um, the edge of edge of the note. You hold it up, just make sure that um, that watermark is there. Obviously, if there's no watermark, then you know it's it's probably a, a fake. Um, and the other thing that you can check for with you with the notes is um, again with uh, the the image of Chairman Mao, which is actually printed on there. It's done with raised print. So if you run your fingers over it, you can actually run your well, you can run you can run your fingers through his hair if you want to. So, um, you know, it's uh, you know, you can have have quite the moment. But um, you run run your fingers over his hair, and, and you'll feel the um, the, it, that it's raised. So the counterfeit ones won't have that. So, um, and I guess whilst we're talking about money, is probably a good idea to get your money before you head over. Um, you know, and certainly if you're going if you're going to do some uh, money exchange or, or cash exchange, don't do it at the airports because you're just going to pay a premium for it. Um, in regards to communications, um, be aware that Google is not permitted in China. So if you're running Gmail or Google Mail or other products that you'll, um, that you'll need while you're traveling, um, you know, you're best to utilize a VPN or a virtual private network, and um, it's advised to download it before arriving in China. Um, in regards to travel and, and getting about, um, if you don't have a driver or a security team, you, you, you may be getting around using taxis. Um, obviously, you know, we, we promote utilising a security driver. Um, however, not everyone will, will opt to do this, so they'll, they may use, may use a taxi. Um, what, we, what we find, um, look, as a generalisation and not in all instances, taxi drivers in China, they tend to see tourists as, as rather ignorant. Um, that said, they, they themselves may or may not even speak English, um, so it, it's pretty hit and miss with some of the drivers. Um, and one other thing that we've we were sort of warned about with um, with the taxi drivers over there for, from some of our guys or from, from some of our local drivers is that if you are a, a male business traveller, um, they may entice you to some uh, let's say rather dodgy or more exotic areas, uh, and then all of a sudden the prices get jacked up. You're in a bit of a pickle, and they sort of um, push the rates up a bit. So. Obviously, in all instances, it's best to have your journey um, locations um, and your hotel written down in Chinese 
so that you can just hand it over to the driver and there's no confusion. Um, I found when I was over there that, you know, you, you hand them a, a card uh, with your hotel on it and they don't know where it is. Unless it's got um, Chinese characters on it, they won't know where, where they've got to take you. So find out, um, find out, speak to your concierge at the hotel, get them to write it down in Chinese, some of the locations that you want to visit, and then that way you can just point one, two, and three and, and, and go from there. Um, the other thing too is while you're talking to the concierge, um, it's best to find out an approximate price of what it's going to take from, you know, for, for driving from point A to point B. Um, so that way, you, you know, you know you're not going to get too ripped off. Um, you know, always allow for variances. Don't worry too much about it. Um, don't, don't sit there and haggle all, all, all the time. You know, if, it's a, if it's a few dollars here and there, you know, you don't, you don't really want to worry, worry too much about that. And then obviously just avoid the hassle of putting yourself in a sticky situation um, and stay away from those those red light or exotic locations, I guess. Right. Do the um, do the taxis have meters in China, Troy? Yeah, good question. Yeah, they do. Um, they do have them, and and they will put them on. Ninety ninety percent of of them will put it on. Sometimes they will ask you for. Um, they'll they'll just name a price, and obviously, being a tourist, you don't actually know what it's going to cost you to get from point A to point B. So. Um, it, it becomes difficult when you're putting that position. So, you know, obviously the, the recommendation is always to, to, to request to have the, the meter put on. And, and you'll find that if you get a, a, a taxi from the hotel out towards the lo- another location, that they usually put it on. Um, if they don't, then just tell the, concert or the, um, the, the guys on the, um, at the front door there and they'll, they'll make sure that it's, that it's put on or, or call another taxi. Okay, got it, got it. So that, that's what we need to know for moving around within the city. What if we want to move between cities? What, what do we need to know for that? Yeah, look, China is obviously a, a very large country, um, even if you're going from major city to major city. So um, I guess if you're an executive uh, and you've got use of a private jet, then obviously that is, uh, that's a great means of, of getting about. Um, just ensure that your security team liaises with the fixed base operator there or, or FBO in each of the locations, and I'm probably um, I'm probably uh, telling some of the security guys that are listening into this um, to suck eggs a little bit because no doubt that that's exactly what they would do. You know, of course, every good team uh, EP team would would uh, liaise with the FBO prior to their their client taking off. So um, uh, the reason I say this is that in China the flight windows can be very um, small or short. Um, so if you miss one of those windows. Uh, you're going to have a client sitting around for some time because you, you essentially go to the back of the line. Um, and then you know, you, you know, you've got an unhappy client, you've got an unhappy team. So um, for those of us that, uh, that don't have access to a private aircraft, um, which I guess would, would, be, would be a lot of us, um, then you'll find that the rail system in China is actually quite reliable. Um, uh, the maglev uh, rail system reaches speeds of about 500 kilometres an hour uh, which is about 300 miles an hour for, for our US listeners. Um, so that's definitely a, an option worth looking at. Um, the issue with flights in China is that they can often be delayed due to, to military closing down airspace at just random times. So, you know, for, for whatever reason, not whenever an, a military uh, aircraft takes off, they'll just close the whole airspace and then you're stuck there stranded. So what happens is just this, you know, domino effect of, um, you know, flights getting cancelled or flights getting pushed back and pushed back and you're sitting around for ages. So the maglev is actually a, a really good uh, means of getting it out. Sounds good. So just going back to the private jet scenario, 
as a rule, if someone does have a private jet, would they have a security team or, or do you have situations where someone may have a private jet and no security team? Um, look, I, I would say that if you can afford a private jet, then nine times out of ten you're going to have a security team. Um, that is not always the case. I do know of um, people uh, such as, you know, such as um, uh, a yacht broker, you know, yacht brokers that, that we deal with and, and whatnot. So they um, they are, they've obviously um, fortunate enough to be able to um, spend a bit more money on 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 private travel, um, and that's that's a trade off for um, uh, time versus money for those guys. So they don't necessarily have a, a security team because they don't deem themselves to be important enough to have a security team. Um, but I would suggest that they may have uh, a security driver or, or or a driver, you know, at, at the very least. All right. Okay. Cool. All right, so Troy, what, what about entertainment? In business, often entertainment is mixed in. You may either need to host potential clients or they may be hosting you. What, are the, um, what do you need to look out for as far as that goes? Yeah, obviously if you're conducting any sort of business overseas, a lot of it, well, particularly in China actually, I should say, um, a lot of business is done over, the, um, over dinner and over drinks and whatever else. It's, um, it's, it's quite customary to go out to dinner um, but just to bring it back a step, I guess, um, if you are traveling around or walking around, your, whether it be your hotel or into different areas, um, there is a, there's a scam that does occur where uh, young people pose as students and then they, they walk up to you and they'll say, hey, I want to go and practice my English. Can we practice our English? Next thing you know, they're taken to some expensive tea house. Uh, they've ordered all this food, drink, and, and um, at times, some of these tea houses are, are in on it, um, and, and what they do is they jack up their prices, and, and then you're, you're left with the bill. So that is um, something you need to be aware of if you're sort of walking out and about and, and looking for some, something to eat, that, that you may be approached by someone like that. Um, That's cheeky. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, yeah they're, 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 they're red hot, actually. So um, one other thing that I'll point out while we're talking about um, mining and dining and, and heading out is... Uh, and this goes for both males and females, I'll add, is that be, be quite cautious uh, when being invited out for karaoke. Um, karaoke in China is very different to karaoke in either Australia, UK or USA. Um, it's a different experience and you may end up with a proposition uh, at the end of the evening that you, you may have to sort of uh, knock back and you, know, you might, might be placed in, a, in, in an unco- un- uncomfortable situation um, or you know potentially um, you know upsetting those that you've you've gone along to karaoke with. So so just be aware of that, and in those sorts of establishments as well, just be aware that drink spiking can can occur uh, and does occur, um, and it's not always about just uh, taking the wallet. Obviously, that you, you may end up without a wallet, but um, you know think about it from a, a corporate side of the house. If you're being targeted for corporate espionage, then this is obviously uh, a you know, this places you in a really bad position. Now, whether that's, you know, photographs or, or, or actually just knocking you out to take, go back to your hotel and take whatever you need, um, you are being put into a, a pretty dicey position. So just be aware uh, of being invited out for karaoke. Right. So, so what's the protocol if you are invited out? Do you, do you go along and not play the game or do you respectfully decline? Um, you probably want to respectfully decline on that one um, or, or, or choose another location, I would say. So, yeah, um, because if they're, if they're inviting you to karaoke, then it's, like I said, it's not the same sort of karaoke you're going to get back here. Okay. Good I'll leave that. that. 
<laughs> read between the lines. Yeah. <laughs> so one lot. Yeah. All right. All right. So one last piece of information or advice that um, I'll probably uh, I'll, I'll cover off while, whilst we're sort of talking here about this is that you know we've spoken about hotel security in previous podcasts, um, but just to reiterate um, and specifically. I guess for our, our corporate travellers, um, if you're travelling on business, if you're there representing a particularly well-known multinational company or um, you're a high net worth individual or you're a person of influence um, or anyone realistically that's travelling with sensitive information on, on, on laptops or, or documents uh, or even phones, um, do everything that we've spoken about uh, in the previous podcast. You know, leave the do not disturb signs up uh, at all times take in a sanitised computer. If you don't take in a sanitised computer, don't leave it unattended. Um, you know, don't connect to the hotel Wi-Fi, uh, hotel Wi-Fi and, and try to use a, a VPN wherever possible. Um, you know, I, and I can't reiterate those things enough, especially if, you, if you're, if you're travelling for, for business. Um, you know, don't underestimate what, you know, what can be taken. Right. So we, when you say VPN, you're talking about a virtual private network there, yeah? Correct. Correct. Right. Okay. So we'll cover that in more detail. I think we'll do an episode on cyber security at some point. If that works for yeah. you. Perfect. Okay. So moving on from that, Troy, um, let's talk about the food. Um, Chinese food. I guess that can be a bit more exotic than some of us might be used to. Is there anything particular to be cautious of, or do you just take things at face value? And yeah. Um... Look, you know, I'm guilty of it. I've been over there. One of the last times we, we went over, we had a business dinner and, and there were some all sorts of uh, interesting things that come out. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm a lot more adventurous than a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of, lot of other people I know with, with food. Um, it's one thing, I guess, to go over and, and do it on a, you know, eat whatever you want on a holiday. But, you know, when I'm working uh, a security detail or if I'm working over there, then I'll, I'll tend to avoid some of the more adventurous foods and, and stick with what, you know, what is safe. Like Chinese food in, in China is, is not necessarily the same as what you would have, um, you know, at uh, your, your local takeaway shop or, um, you know, back in your own country, you know, whether that be, you know, USA, UK or Australia or Canada or wherever. So um, just be aware of that. So, you know, like I said, it's one thing for me to be sick while I'm on holidays and, and, and I can have a bit of a lie-in, but, um, you know, if, you, if you're ill and you're unable to carry out your duties, then, then it's obviously an issue. So, you know, that, that goes for anyone that's travelling their own business. If, you, if you're a little unsure about something, then it's probably best just to err on the side of caution. Um, you know, as long as you don't offend anyone, um, then, then it should be fine. And, and realistically, the, the Chinese are they're okay if you, you don't eat everything there. You know, it's, it's, they realise that their appetite is a little bit different um, and, um, you know, they're not going to be too offended. So, I mean, the worst, the worst thing you're going to have, like, I mean, imagine having a, a bad case of gastro the next day. You're supposed to be signing off on a multi-million dollar deal or, or you're supposed to be appearing at, a, at an opening of an event that you may or may not be able to tear yourself away from, you know, the, the porcelain. You know, it's, it's not going to be the greatest day of your life and, 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 you know, you've done it all because of a bit of food poisoning. So just be aware of it. I should also mention to stay away from any tap water. Um, make sure that you only drink, uh, drink bottled water. Um, again, it's, it's, you know, it's not going to end well. Right, okay. So let, let's assume that the worst does happen and whether food poisoning or otherwise, you find yourself in need of a hospital. Do they run the same as they do here? Anything different we need to be aware of? Um, no, most of the hospitals over there, uh, it's very similar way, similar way that they run um, back in most Western countries. Um, obviously, the standards vary. So, I mean, the further, I guess, um, west 
you would go, the more remote places you go, it's definitely going to, you know, the quality is going to decrease um, uh, a little more. Um, but in most of the major cities, um, the, the hospitals are of pretty good standard. So each area of China has several state-run hospitals as well as private hospitals. Um, the last time I went over there, we did a, um, uh, an advance or we, we walked, went through a couple of the, the private hospitals over there and they're, they're actually very well maintained. Um, and like I said, most of the doctors have had training outside of China um, and, and a lot of the equipment is, is of, of high quality. Um, some of the state-run facilities are a little less uh, state-of-the-art However, they seem to be, you know, of reasonable standard. You know, my, my advice would be to um, stick with the privates. Um, you know, you, we, we sort of covered off previously on one of the other podcasts about choosing hospitals. So, I mean, you can talk to your insurance provider. Um, you know, one, one of the services that we provide for, for one of our clients is that we, we go into, um, into the different uh, countries that they're actually operating or, or, or have offices in, and then we, we prove which hospital that, they should send their, their their staff to. So so there may be um, you know that that may be part of the security manager's job uh, within the companies that you're you that you work with, or it, it may be um, um, something you can you can reach out to somebody else and another company out there that might do something similar. Okay, cool. So Troy, we've heard of um, say overseas executives being arrested for things like corruption or fraud in China. Uh, are the Chinese corruption and fraud laws different to elsewhere? And um, is there anything special you need to take into consideration when you're doing your business? Yeah, look, there's nothing special about the, the, the corruption, the corruption laws in China. But you know, the, the, the Chinese government is in the midst of uh, of a massive anti-corruption campaign, and it's led to thousands of arrests. Um, you know, that said, corruption does still occur, uh, and companies are likely to experience bribery. Um, political, you know, in, interference um, or, or facilitation patient, uh, you know, payments when when looking to utilise, uh, you know, public services um, or, or even dealing with the judicial system. Um, there's a there's a common practice or a custom for for building connections and relationships uh, within China, uh, and that's you know it's based on gifts or or you know, dining or taking up for dinners and and small favours, um, you know. That said, even you know those actions or those small gifts and whatnot, um, they can be considered bribery by foreign companies uh, and by um, national and international anti-corruption laws. So it's it really is something that clients need to be aware of. Um, you know, we advise companies and clients to to carefully consider the type and the the value of the gifts um, and even the occasion um, that they're they're providing it, or, or even the nature of the gift. You know. Um, or you know the nature of the, the business relationship that they have with that particular person or, or agency. Um, you know, if if offences are considered serious enough, then clients will be subject to criminal investigation. You know, acts including giving bribes and receiving bribes, um, fines range from um, you know a hundred thousand RMB right through to you know confiscation of property, uh, imprisonment, and and to the um, to the extreme uh, end of it you know, the death penalty. Um, so, you know, it's not just the individual um, involved in it, but also companies which can be held liable for the bribery um, of, of the state officials. So, like I said, all those is nothing special about the, the bribery uh, laws. The penalties can be um, extremely harsh. So, obviously, we advise, um, you know, uh, don't go down that track. Got it. Okay. 
Um, all righty. So just one last question before we close this off today, Troy. You mentioned earlier about the, the government, well, that you're, you're monitored more heavily in China than you might be elsewhere, and that is pretty much in real time. Do you need to be cautious about what you say about the government in China? Yeah, look, censorship laws are pretty uh, strict over in China. Um, they do, they do, um, I guess, uh, cover across for uh, tourists as well. Um, n- not as much, obviously. Um, the the Chinese citizens are more more censored than what I guess tourists are because it, it's a bit harder to to um, control what, what tourists say. But yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you certainly wouldn't get onto social media and start, um, you know, I don't know, talking smack about Chairman Mao. Um, but you know, you, you just need to be aware of it. If you're in their country, respect their laws, respect their customs, respect their cultures, um, you know, and, and um, just be aware of it. Uh, if, if, that's, you know, if you go outside the country and you start doing that, then, then so be it. But I suspect if you are um, seen as someone that is um, anti-establishment or, or, or anti-China, then it's probably unlikely you're going to get a visa anyway. So, um, yeah, you know, just be, just be respectful when you're in China. That's what it's all about. Right, yeah, okay. Right, so, so I guess in summary, we, you, you mentioned earlier there's 60 million or so people visit China each year. Most of them, you know, apart from the normal travel adventures that you might have, they, they, they come out of the place pretty much the same way they went in without any sort of major incidents. So there are, it sounds like there are a few sort of special things to consider, but overall it, it, it's a relatively safe and, and in most cases a fairly modern city to, to visit. Modern yeah. country to visit, sorry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, it, it is relatively safe. Like I said, there are a few things that you need to be aware of. Um, if you are, a, you know, a high-profile person or if you're, uh, you know, um, an influential person or, um, you know, a high-net-worth individual family or, or even a, a CEO of a, a large corporation, then, you know, we would obviously always advocate, you know, reaching out to a, a risk management provider or an EP team or something along those lines. And, at least facilitate your transport, you know, if, if for nothing else but for comfort um, and to get you from point A to point B in a safe manner. Um, it doesn't have to be a, a whole, you know, full bodyguard experience, EP team, the whole, whole works and jerks, but certainly, um, you know, if you can get from point A to point B safely uh, and discreetly, then that's definitely uh, the way to go in China. Good to know. Righty. So, uh, so let's wrap it up there, shall we, Troy? Yeah, that sounds good. Excellent. If anyone's got any questions, you, you can see the show notes for this episode at wheelsuppodcast.net. Um, show notes, obviously, for this episode and many others. And um, in future episodes, Troy, let, let's skip around some of the other com- some some of the countries in Southeast Asia. Perfect. Sounds good. Some tips on those. Thanks, buddy. Right. See you next time. Cheers, Brett. You've been listening to the Wheels Up podcast with Troy Clayton. For more information, show notes, resources, and subscription options, visit wheelsuppodcast.net. Wheels Up is brought to you by the Experts On Air podcast network. Until next time, safe travels.